Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Bikurim, the laws of the first fruits. Also covering the balance of the priestly gifts of the 24 gifts which the Torah allocates to the Kohen. As the Rambam explains, the Kohen is a servant of Hashem. And he represents the Jewish people to Hashem and Hashem to the Jewish people. And therefore, Hashem, God Almighty, wants to have the Jewish people provide all of the needs of the Kohen. So we have, as the Rambam later explains, the Truma, the first foods represent the grains, the oils, and the wines which the Kohen requires for his life. Then we have the wool, the first of the shearings, which the Kohen uses for clothing. We have the various gifts of meat, Zreya, Lechayayin, and Keva, the foreleg, the cheek, and the stomach area, which the Kohen has his meat from, so he gets his share of cholesterol. We have the Pijun Aben money, which the Kohen uses for pocket change. He should have some money in his pocket. So everything is taken care of. And in chapter 10, we learn about the gift of wool, so that the Kohen could have his garments, his clothing made. Aleph, mitzvah, say it is a positive commandment, litain, la kohen, to give to the kohen, reishis hagez, the first shearings of sheep. Which means that when the farmer goes to shear his sheep, the first of the shearings are given to the kohen. Shenamar, the Posik says, vereishis the first of the shearings of your sheep you should give him. As my father of blessed memory taught us, that the Torah always insists on the first and the best. My father was very upset with the idea of reserving your old clothes in the attic. That's what you give away for charity. Back in East, everybody had an attic. That's where you put your old shmatas. That's what you give for charity. You bring your kids up to the attic. They help you put it together, which is very nice. There's nothing wrong with giving old clothes to charity, except if the kids grow up and they see that's the charity. So it means you give the dregs. It means you give the worst to charity. The best has to be given to charity. And that's why Bikurim is the first fruit. Truma is the first. The first cheerings and so on. The first and the best. How much... Biblically, there is no volume amount attached to the first shearings. However, like many of these mitzvahs, should not be less, should be no less than one sixtieth. According to the Rambam, this is only a practice observed in Israel. Bain Bifne Habayas, whether during the Beis Hamikdash, Bain Shaleh Bifne Habayas, whether not during the Beis Hamikdash, Kireshis Hadogon, like the first grains, 
and it only applies to everyday animals, not for, it does not apply to sacred animals that one may own. So it's very similar to Truma. They're both referred to as first. And uh, some argue that this also applies in the diaspora. The Mishnah well, mentions that it applies in the diaspora, but according to the Rambam, his halacha does not follow this view. And the Shulchan Aruch follows the Rambam's view. The Turan the Ramah say that theoretically this mitzvah should also be observed in the diaspora, but in practice it is not. Okay. Ketzad, how does it work? What's the mechanism? So first of all, he deals with the sacred. What if somebody consecrated animals to the temple fund and then he sheared them? And I would think that he has to redeem the wool and give it to the Kohen. Or he sanctified an animal with the exception of its shearings. I would think that he has to give the shearings. This obligation is only from your sheep. Consecrated sheep are not your sheep. And therefore, any holy animals which developed a permanent blemish, if the permanent ble- blemish came before they were sanctified, and therefore they were redeemed. So, to begin with, when you sanctify something with a permanent blemish, you intend to redeem it. So the animal could never have been a sacrifice. Therefore, it was only a value contribution of money. That animal, therefore, needs the first shearings of its wool to be given to the Kayan. But if the sanctification of this animal, giving it to the temple fund, came before the blemish, so at the moment that the animal was consecrated, it could have been brought as a sacrifice, and that is the preference with the species of animal that can be sacrificed. Or it was a passing blemish, not a permanent blemish, that preceded the consecration. Only later, a permanent blemish developed. And therefore, they were redeemed. They are exempt from the first shearings because they were consecrated animals rather than private animals. Whereas, if the animal had a permanent blemish to begin with before the consecration, that consecration is only a financial value consecration to begin with, and the sanctity never really took hold of the animal, therefore the shearing's obligation still remains with that particular animal. Now, what kind of animals are required to have their shearings given, one-sixtieth of their shearings given to the Kohen? So he says, is the only animal that is obligated in this Mitzvah, are only sheep. Male and female, but only sheep. Because by and large, it is sheep's wool that is used for clothing. Wool comes from sheep. And sheep's wool is a wonderful source of material for clothing. 
as I mentioned in my introduction, this is all about giving the Kohen material for clothing, raw material. So it needs to be clothing suited wool. But if it was a very tough wool, the and you can't really process it for garments. In that case, it would actually be exempt from the midst of the first shearings. This is not something holy. This is simply so the Kohen will have material for clothing. He'll have wool. You know, not too many of us realize where wool comes from. You know, we think wool comes from the store. So we have to realize that wool comes from sheep and polyester comes from goats. That's only special goats. Okay. There's a, one of my favorite stories I like to tell is the fellow who brought beautiful material to the tailor. And he says to the tailor, I want you to make me a suit. I have a wedding coming up. So the tailor looks at the material. He says, it's not enough material. I can't help you. He, he doesn't understand because to him it looks like enough material. He goes across the street to the competition tailor. And he says, I want you to make a suit for me, my I have a wedding coming up in the family. Taylor looks at it. He says, fine, no problem. Come see me in two weeks. Two weeks later, he comes, picks up a beautiful suit, well tailored. And he sees behind in the back, in the back room, he sees the tailor's son is walking around with a suit just like his. He says, huh, this guy across the street was a thief. Not only did the tailor have enough material for my suit, he also made his son a suit from the leftovers. He walks across the street. He says, you thief. He says, the tailor across the street, he made a beautiful suit for me. He had plenty of material. He also had enough left for his son. I saw his son in the suit. He says, that's what I'm trying to explain to you. I have two sons. <laughs> so this is all about material for suits. That's what it's about. Okay. Hey, and here the Rambam gives the psychology here, the background. God merited the coin to have truma. Shehein, the truma represents lachme, the coin's bread, grains. Viena is wine. Vizikale b'matnes behema b'kotcha mizbeach. And the Torah gives him animal gifts. Sheina bosa shalei, so he has meat. Zikale b'reishis hagez l'lebushe. The Torah also, God Almighty, Gives the Kohen wool, so he has clothing. Or begezel ager, then the various financial benefits, such as if something is stolen, we know that when something is stolen from somebody, you have to make restitution, you have to pay it back. What if something is stolen from somebody and they die? You have to pay it back to their heirs. What if they have no heirs? How could it be that a Jew should not have heirs? A recent convert. Who dies? The Kohen becomes his heir. <clears throat> so that is one of the cash sources of the Kohen. Bacharomim and some of the consecrated things. Charomim Ustei Yachuza and fields of inheritance of Pidyon Bcheres and the Pidyon Aben money. That's for pocket money. That's for expenses. He should have money in his pocket. Ushachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
What if the wool of the particular sheep was naturally red or black? You know, uh, bad, bad, black sheep? Have you any wool? A shochum or brown. So sheep come in all colors. The obligation of the first shearings is there. Why? Because it makes no difference. If the sheep, is, the wool is naturally red, so be it. Black, brown, so be it. However, what if he sheared this wool? And he dyed it. Before he gives it. So now the wool has been transformed. Nifta Medeshis Hagez. He is exempt from the first shearings. However, he'll be Nekedim Shiitin. What if he dyed it white? He bleached it before it was given. That's excellent because that's the best state. So he's obviously obligated to give it to the coin after he bleached it. Now, does this only apply to shearing? What about hatelish goes What if a person plucks, he pulls out the wool, ouch, of the sheep by hand? Instead, I guess he gives them novocaine. We have a dentist here, so we're talking about novocaine. He doesn't share it. Chaya Bereshis Hagez, he has to give the first of the shearings. Shearing does not necessarily mean with a shear. It could be by hand also. Again, I'm no expert because I tell you the truth, I've never shorn a sheep in my life. Where I grew up in Newark, we didn't have too many sheep. In the streets anyway. But uh, I imagine if you're going to pluck or pull the wool out, you have to be concerned with not bringing pain to the animal, which is a prohibition of Torah law not to cause pain to animals. The first shearing's mitzvah is also observed with chilayim, if there's a hybrid of sheep, even though a Jew is not allowed to intentionally bring about this chilayim, but if it is, or this mixture of, an, of, of wild animal and domestic animal, or a sheep that is mortally ill, all of these require the gift to the Kohen. Because simply speaking, it's not a sacrifice, it's a financial gift. But if somebody has a dead sheep, Potter, he's exempt. I'm just going to have some tea. Ches. What if somebody sets aside the first shearings of wool? The Avad, and it got lost. The Kohen never got it. Whose responsibility is it? Can he say to the Kohen, you go find it? That's where they got the car from, the Yugo. From saying to the Kohen, you go find it. He's obligated to take responsibility to find it. It's his Responsibility until he actually gives it to the coin. Now we learned earlier that, for example, with truma and other gifts, chala, or no, truma and other gifts, if he says, all of the shearings are the first, with truma it doesn't work, 
Truma means you have to take some. But here in this case, if he says all of the wool shorn will be a gift to the Kohen, there's no problem because there's no expression of part here. So theoretically, the whole thing could become the Kohen's property. The Radbaz talks about why there is a difference. So uh, he explains that the other gifts involve grain and meat, and neither a granary nor a slaughterhouse is located at a great distance from the residential area of the city. Therefore, it's not very difficult for a Kohen to go collect them. Sheep must not be allowed to pasture near residential areas. Uh, this is with regard to this responsibility. Therefore, the Torah made the owners responsible. Okay, you're not allowed to graze sheep next to residential areas so the sheep shouldn't rob pasture and so on. Okay, so there's a lot of discussion as to why <coughs> sheep would be different where he ta- if, he can, if he wants to, he can give the whole shearings to the Kohen. Test 9, Alikeyach, Geis, Tzayne, Kechavim, what if a Jew purchases the shorn wool from a non-Jew after the non-Jew has shorn his sheep? Now, that's easy. It's a no-brainer. Potter Meresh's Hagiz is obviously exempt from giving the first cheerings because it's not the Jews. It's the non-Jews. So the commentaries want to know why he even brings it down here. It's elementary. He brings it down because of the flip side. However, if he took the sheep of the non-Jew, for their shearings, so now he has a lease on the shearings. Now it's his shearings, so he's obligated. Even though the wool grew, in the ownership of the Gentile, even though, furthermore, the sheep will also be returned to the Gentile after the shearing, being that the shearer is a Jew, and that which is sheared belongs to the Jew, there is an obligation. Because we're concerned about the moment of shearing, we're not concerned about before, or after. What if somebody purchases shearings of a fellow Jew? If the seller leaves a little bit of his sheep for shearing, then the seller has to set aside that amount estimated for everything. Even though he didn't start yet. There's a, an assumption that we make that somebody does not sell priestly gifts. But if he left nothing, then, whether he likes it or not, the buyer has to set aside. What if there were two types of shearings? For example, there was white wool and brown wool. Or, gizas chorim, shearings of males, vigizas nikavis, and shearings of females. So, two clearly distinguishable groups. White 
and brown, or male and female, or mochar means and he, the seller sold one species, for example, he sold the white wool, and left the brown wool, or for example, he sold the shearings of the male sheep and not the female sheep. So therefore, the buyer has one type, and the seller remains with another type. But they're two clearly distinguishable groupings. Then the buyer gives his own. The seller gives his own. For what he bought. And the seller gives for what he didn't sell. Which again is logical. Yud Beis 12. Gersh and his Geyer. What if a convert just has gone through his conversion? And he had shearings. There was so much turmoil, so many things going on, that he's not really cognizant. He's not really sure whether the shearing took place just before the conversion moment or just after. Then this is exempt. Why? Because we're unsure. And here we have the old rule which kicks in in financial matters. And this is a financial matter. It's not holy. It's financial. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's the American equivalent. When somebody wants to take something from someone else, he has to prove that it is owed to him. So here, the Kohen has to prove that the shearings took place after the conversion and not before the conversion. Obviously, that can't be done. So therefore, there's an obligation there which is not a fulfillable obligation. And that's very common throughout these laws. Yud Now comes the big question. How many sheep does one need in order for this obligation to kick in? If you're just shearing one sheep, does the obligation kick in? So the answer is no. Minimum of five. Cinco de sheep. The who, and that is, Sheyia ba Giza Shalohen ein Pochas Mishkal Shishim Sela. In addition to being five sheep, the shearings have to be not less than the weight of 60 Sela. A Sela is approximately 20 grams in contemporary measure. This measure is required because only then will the gift to the Kohen be significant, because it's going to be 160th of that. And each individual sheep should be no less than the weight of 12 selas. 60 divided by 5 is 12. 5 times 12 is 60. But if one of them only comes to less than the weight of wool of 12 selas, even though the aggregate total comes to more than 60 sellers of weight of wool, but there is one particular sheep that did not produce 12 or more. Again, we're talking about 12 means the weight of 12 sellers in wool. It's exempt from reishis, I guess. It's exempt from this mitzvah. So, so far we learned that the requirements are five sheep, that the sum total of wool should be at least the weight of wool of 60 selahs, and each selah 
is 20 grams. So I guess that would be 120 grams. 20 times 60. And then each individual sheep should be the weight of 12 cellars of wool. Yudalid Hashutfim partners, Chayovim Bereshis Agez, are obligated with the mitzvah of the first shearings. Hushiyak Bechele Kolechel Mem Kashir, as long as each one individually has a large enough part. Avo Chamash Tsein Bilbad Shoshne Shutfim, but for example, if there is only five sheep belonging to two partners, so technically, theoretically, each partner has how many sheep? Two and a half. Turim, they're not obligated. Because each partner has to have the minimum requirement. Now, when do we give the shearings? Is it at the beginning of the process? The middle of the process? The end of the process? So he says, The first shearings are, as the name connotates, first. The mitzvah is to give it in the beginning of the shearing process. However, Vimhifri should be set aside Ben Beemtza, both from the middle, Ben Besafo from the end. Yotze fulfills his obligation. What if he had five sheep? And he only sheared or shore one of them. And he sold the wool. So all he has is wool of one sheep. He doesn't have the obligation because you need a minimum of five sheep. Then he sheared the second sheep. And he sold the shearings. So that's the second sheep. That's two. Then he sheared the third. And he sold the shearings. It all combines. And even if several years go by, he's obligated. It's best to give from the new for the old, and one for the other. So basically, there's a fairly liberal application of law here. However, if there was one sheep, and he sheared it and set the shearings aside, then bought another sheep, and he shore it, or sheared it. And he set the shearings aside. But the second sheep, sheep did not exist when he sheared the first sheep. They don't combine. Because they have to at least exist in this world together. Somebody has a lot of shearings of the first shearings. He wants to distribute it to a bunch of kainim. So what does he do? How much does he give to who? He should not give to any Kohen less than five sloyim of bleached wool. Why? Because you need five, five sloyim, which is a weight, of bleached wool, today beget cotton, in order for the Kohen to be able to produce at least a small wool garment. That's if he wears a small, not a medium and not a large and not an extra large. Not that he should first bleach it and then give it to him. 
You should give it to him when it's raw, when it's unbleached, so that after the bleaching process, which I guess shrinks it, there should still be chomish sloyim, the weight of five sloyim, a yeser or more. Shanem a titan lay gift to him. There has to be a minimum gift. Shilik kedei matan amielas. It has to be a choshev, an important volume of gift. Closing. Paragraph of chapter 10, Yud Zayin Reishis the first shearings, it's not a holy gift. It's not like Truma or like Chala, which is holy. Chulin Lechodover, it is everyday plain money. It is everyday plain stuff for all purposes. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing holy here except for the mitzvah of doing it. Therefore, the Rambam says, <coughs> and this would be a parallel law to what we learned earlier, I believe, in the Zreya Lechayayim and the Kevash, you can even give it to the daughter of a Kohen, even though she married an Israelite, which in the case of Truma would not enable her to receive it. But here, it's more of a financial thing, so even though this Kohen's daughter now married an Israelite, as we say, it's not terrible. Like the gifts of the forearm or the foreleg, the cheek and the maw. It appears to me that for this purpose, there is a parallel application. They're similar. End of chapter 10.